Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. This is Maddie Kay. And this is John, and we have to apologize for our hiatus. Uh, we have been away from the mic for far too long, and I blame Maddie. Yeah, I'm not apologizing. It was more John's, uh, <laughs> more John's doing than anything else. I mean, we're really all about pointing fingers here and taking zero responsibility. You know, it is funny. I was uh, doing a, um, a book with my senior class and it, it alludes to the Adam and Eve story. And, you know, we started somehow they started talking about that. And I said, well, you know, Eve always gets blamed and they were talking about blaming. And I, I said, you know, it is, it's funny. And I don't know, 
I always thought this was not unique to people raised in the Catholic faith, but it seems to be people I know in that, or I associate it with blame. Like, people love to blame and spend a lot of time finding that out. Oh, yeah. I mean, the good old Catholic faith is rooted in a deep sense of fear. Well, and, and straight off blaming the woman for everything. Straight off. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's all, I mean, as you said, with Adam and Eve, it all harkens back to, quote unquote, the beginning of time. Right. So, I mean, if you, I don't believe any of that jazz, but yeah, saddling you with original sin, uh, blah, blah, blah. No, know, nor do I. But ridiculous. for me, I'm gender blind. I will equally blame male <laughs> and female alike. Well, but people do spend a lot of time, uh, as opposed to fixing the problem, addressing the problem, dealing with the problem, or realizing there is no problem, blaming other people, like gun control. It's just all about pointing fingers at, well, I, you know. I mean, I think it's the, it's the great secret of life. Like, if you want to have a healthy, happy life, whatever you attached to success the first step is do not blame other people for your shit or your mess ups oh see i thought you have to take responsibility and accountability okay i thought the first step was blaming other people i had that (laughs) yeah well well, (laughs) for in our in our master class series it is oh yeah absolutely work work is a different work is a different thing i'm talking about life in general you have to take accountability yeah and, you know, it's a lot of times it's not a monumentous thing or, or it's just sort of like, OK, there's a problem. I don't know. We could blame and maybe blaming someone else. Maybe it is totally someone else's fault. That That's fine. You know, whatever. But I think a lot of times it is to just say, well, it's not my fault. Ergo, I'm not going to do anything about it. And it's like, OK, like even if you're the one suffering from it. You know, like, oh, my parents didn't do this or they did that or whatever. It's like, all right, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But. You know, and there's obviously degrees. I'm not, this is not a blanket statement. Like if you were raped, that was not your fault. Right, yes. I I mean, but, you know, it's people obsessing about the smallest things and then blaming everyone within their social circle for it. And you all know it's that person does it over and over and over again. Yeah. And after a while, it's like, who cares? Like, okay, great. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're 100% right. And uh, who cares? So I guess this kind of is a good segue into our topic today about the um, impending doom. Speaking of the Catholic faith, which is mostly surrounded by impending doom. <laughs> that you're, you're awful. We'll just take that as writ. You're terrible. And uh, you have to spend your whole life clawing your way out of your awful self. This is uh, the millennials are facing a catastrophic meltdown of epic proportions in the form of a recession, which some people say is imminent. Yeah, it was not a happy article for the uh, generation labeled the millennials. No. And what age group is this again? I'm always forgetting. I believe millennials are um, like mid 80s to mid 90s, I believe. So they were born in the mid 80s or 90s. 
Yeah, I think like I think the um, like ninety four ninety five is like the transitional year year to Generation Z, and then I think the earliest is like maybe eighty five, eighty four, and then our generation, Generation X, is you know the the seventies up until like the early eighties, I believe. So if you were born in nineteen ninety, you're what twenty nine years old right now. Yeah, you're you're a millennial. Okay, so you're about thirty years old. Okay, so I would say even people who are, you know, twenty five years old, this is probably actually yeah, more I mean, to tw- them. Twenty twenty five, you're actually kind of like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. You're actually on the cusp of being a millennial or a Generation Z. Well, I'm kind of saying like, well, I you know, when you're twenty five years old, if if it all hits the fan. You know, you still have time to figure things. I mean, you always have time to figure things out. But I guess as you get older, like if you're 45, 50 years old and it hits the fan and you're way deep in a mortgage and you're, you know, uh, very invested. Uh, no one can no one can see me, but I'm raising my hand right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm so deep in debt <laughs> that I, I can't even breathe. You just lie awake at night and then... And then <laughs> To soothe yourself, you go on Amazon and buy a new set of golf clubs. <laughs> of course, exactly. I just I buy I buy junk to fill up the garage. That's right, that's right. And it just you know you can always take out another credit card on your business or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, this is just another line of credit. Yeah. Uh, so they're talking about let's round it off. Say the year twenty twenty. So if you were born in nineteen ninety, uh, the year twenty twenty, you're thirty years old. I, you know, I still say a lot of people these days are, you know, when they're 30 years old, they're not really set in a career or anything like that. However, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say it's like people like who are a couple years out of college. So let's just say like 25 to like mid thirties. That That's who we're talking about right now. Right, right. And again, I'm not, I'm saying that a recession the the uh, the title of this article is the 2020 recession will be brutal for millennials. I don't think for someone who's 30 years old it's like that big a deal cuz again like you don't really have kids at most people don't have kids at that age. They don't have a massive mortgage. They you know, they're more flexible if they lose their job. It's like okay, you know, you could I mean you can always move back. True, you true, but the article also points out the fact that you know, the, a lot of millennials have, uh, they don't have like a buffer and they don't have savings. Um, they don't have an asset. Most of them are renting. They don't have a house, you know, to fall back on some equity. Um, they are still reeling from the uh, recession of t- 2008 when the economy almost collapsed. Their wages are stagnant or declining. I mean, there is a, there is a cocktail of shit that they are drinking on a daily basis that um, we really, I mean, obviously we went through the 2008 recession, but we're, at least I'm speaking for myself, we're, I'm a decade ahead of them um, and really not feeling those same effects. Yeah. I mean, an asset like a house can be good, but can also be an albatross. I mean, if there were a lot of people who had to walk away from their homes and they went into foreclosure. Well, that's if you're that's if you're an idiot. 
Well, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, no, no, but no, you're right. If you're, you can go upside down in your mortgage. You can't make your mortgage payments. Yeah. You can't make your property tax payments. Uh, and then things get ugly very quickly. If, you're right. If you're renting an apartment, you're, it's, a, it's always like give and takes. Like, you know, renting an apartment, obviously you don't own an asset, but you're not tied to it. I mean, if you can't pay your rent, obviously that's a problem, but, um, probably the, the old, the long-term financial hit of having your house foreclosed on is pretty uh, rough. Although, you know, I remember in the 2008, right before that, um, there were people buying homes who had no business buying those homes. I watched a documentary on that whole mortgage fraud thing, and I still can't make heads or tails of how it worked. But there were people earning twelve dollars an hour who were moving into four hundred thousand dollar homes and, oh yeah there uh, was a story of a a migrant strawberry picker who bought a home for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in california yeah i could actually explain what happened in the 2008 but i think we would drop listeners like leaves falling off a tree and I, fall. I would probably shut my skype off to be quite honest with you <laughs> yeah me i mean, too. I, mean I, I would eventually attention. put myself to sleep um but um, suffice it but, to say there were people well a personal friend of ours from fordham he his girlfriend knew these people who she was going to school and working in retail and so were they and they moved into this like five hundred thousand dollar home and like our mutual friend, who I won't name, but he said, you know, he went out there and saw the house. This is like 2007. And he's like, are these people nuts? And his, his girlfriend was like, oh, that'd be nice to have that. You know, they have that. And he couldn't really explain to her, like, this is not going to last. And lo and behold, a year later, they were out of the house. I mean, they couldn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we were looking at that period in 2006, 2007, and we were looking in Long Island and it was, you know, there would be like a 1,500 square foot, three bedroom house that would be $825,000 that should have been like four fifty. I mean, literally that was the discrepancy. And we, we kept on looking. I was like, this is insane. And then the, um, uh, you know, the floor fell out from the, the real estate. And then we're, we're in the current house that we're in. And what, that was bought in 2010 when the banks finally said, okay, uh, I mean, I barely got a mortgage <laughs> yeah, because I own a business. Yeah. It, it was, it was very, very difficult. Um, and they were super, super strict, so very, very strict because they got their, you know, asses handed to them in 2008. Didn't you say a mutual friend of ours? I think the analogy you used was he basically had a library card to show them and they, he walked right into the house. Yeah, no, li literally. Yeah. Literally. And I mean, he could afford it. I mean, he's legit, he's still in the house and all that. But like, yeah, they were just, you know, handing out mortgages. I don't know. You put down like 300 bucks or something like that. And people didn't understand balloon payments and, you know, that kind of jazz. Um, yeah. And then when and then when your asset goes down and you owe more in the mortgage than the house is worth. Yeah, that's lovely. Lovely. Then you then you say to yourself, "What am I doing?" And that's what people would just walk away from it. I would get call. I start. We kind of pulled the landlines out for the most part here, but every day, like twice a day, calls about refinancing the mortgage and 
blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm all, uh, yeah, you know what I could do? I could go to my bank and talk to them about refinancing the mortgage. Or I could do it with some person over the phone who I have no idea who you are. That, yeah, that sounds I'll like do a good it with idea. you. Yeah, I'm going to go with yeah. you. <laughs> Here's all my information. So apparently, um, this could be circling back upon us. Uh, another. I mean, these recessions come and go. Even I know that. And a lot of people say, Matt, you must be an economist. I'm actually not a trained economist. I know I probably sound like one, but I'm not. So I, I you could have fooled me. Yeah, you thought. Well, I, was. I mean, these are these are cyclical economic events it's a it's a a slowing down is eventually gonna occur no 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 you know we have uh, (laughs) we have we have trump at the helm we've got trade wars we got brexit and and now china's slowing down their gdp it's slowing down um and then also for so for millennials uh student debt now is at 1.5 trillion with defaults rising yeah that that doesn't sound too good. No. Doesn't sound like a healthy number to me. No. There's gotta be a breaking point. You know, I was talking to a kid who's a senior now and she was talking about how like these schools are really hard to get into. She brought up Fordham. She said Fordham was really, really hard to get into. That listen, I think Fordham which, which full disclosure, Matt and I barely graduated from. Yeah. I think Fordham is at seventy three grand a year. Oh my God, like you know what? Is... That's I would pay like three grand a year to go to Fordham. I I actually had to physically wrestle my diploma out of the president's hand. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> we got into a bit of a. But he, he called me a fraud, I think, <laughs> and said I didn't deserve all, it. All, all, all justified. Absolutely. I mean, could you imagine? No. Pay, I mean, no. I mean, obviously, too. Not everyone. No one really pays sticker price. Everyone gets some sort of bullshit like loan and grants and stuff. But let's just let's just call it fifty, okay? Let's just say that the if you want to go to a a, a top two hundred school, you're spending fifty grand a year. Yeah. So you're wa- walking away with a solid two hundred k. Yeah. For a diploma that, honestly. Is really not worth 200k. Like you're, if you go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, you know, uh, Brown, MIT, you can take that to the bank to a certain degree. But once you get past like that top, like 50 or 75, eh? Do you know what I mean? I don't know how true this is, but uh, like law schools, I, I've heard from more than one source. Like if you don't go to Harvard, Yale, or Stanford. Just, I mean, that law degree, the chances of you getting a job are very, very slim. Oh, lawyer, lawyers are screwed. Yeah. I mean, lawyers are screwed. I mean, if you go, I, the thing is, too, when we were talking about education, like a lot of education, there's a great book called The Other Wes Moore. He, um, he. Al, I'm going to stop you right there because I don't read right, books. I, well, I don't even read the titles to books. You can, you can watch them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He wrote the book because uh, he grew up in Baltimore, very, you know, poverty. He's a man of color. And um, there was another guy named Wes Moore who, I mean, this, the guy who wrote the book ended up, you know, he went to the military. He, he worked with President Obama. He's been a real success story. The other Wes Moore ended up in prison. He was involved in a jewelry uh, robbery and um, uh, off-duty cop got killed. So the book is like, you know, they grew up 
and you know like blocks from each other very similar circumstances and he's kind of like how did i end up here and he ended up there and he corresponded with him and he talks about education a lot of it it's really 90 percent of it is not what you learn in a classroom it's who you meet you know like look we're all oh, absolutely it's the it's the networks yeah and it's like if you go to harvard you meet people who go to harvard they're going to be captains of industry and whatnot and they're going to know you and you know, look, look where all our presidents have gone to school in what the last 20 some odd years, they're all Ivy league. So, you know, a lot of it is, that's that. why, I mean, that's why basically like the Ivies can pretty much charge what they want. Right. There's, there's going to be a healthy demand, but uh, there I'm telling, I, I, I'd say within the next five or 10 years, I'm going to bet that somewhere between 25 to 50% of colleges and universities are going to shut their doors. Because middle class Americans can't afford that. No. They just and they're and they're seeing like you're like literally better off going into a trade, like becoming like a mechanic, a, a plumber, electrician, like no joke. Like if you're going to some middle of the run college, you are and you're incurring debt for like, let's take something for like a business degree. Like if you're going to become a doctor. You can't skip uh, college or university. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to do it. But if you're like a business major, like, and you're going to some like crappy school in the middle of nowhere, drop out. It's a complete waste of money. Well, let's say someone's going, and I'm like, you know, take like Villanova. Like Villanova is pretty solid school. You know, they're, they're well-known basketball team and all of that. Um Let's say you, you know, you graduate from Villanova with a degree in history and let's say Villan Villanova is probably up around 50, wouldn't you say? 60? Uh, more, probably in the 60s. And a history degree is worthless. Isn't that what you have, a history degree? Absolutely. And uh, Yeah, it's it completely worth It's like every... English. Why, you know what? Why don't you go to NYU and major in theater for 80 grand? Yeah, That's a good investment. Every penny. That's right. It's, it's a good investment. Every... Mommy and daddy can pay for that. It's a good idea. That's Great right. investment. Yes. Um, so, you know, let's say you graduate from Villanova with a degree in history. It's like years ago, like in the 90s, I remember running into, remember Dan Carey? He was our RA freshman year. Dan Carey uh, lives uh, with my brother. I think I told the, told you this. He lives in the same town as my brother, and they are both coaches for their uh, boys' ba baseball team. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And AJ <laughs> and Dan get into uh, regular arguments with the refs and the umps. Of course they do. They get in their face. You know when you like... You get up there and you got to turn your cap around because you're getting so close to the uh, ump's face. That's what they do. Does AJ kick dirt? Does he? <laughs> oh, AJ is the AJ is the worst. I didn't know about Dan Carey, but uh, I know AJ. I can picture AJ doing that. Yeah, no, AJ gets AJ gets fired. AJ gets fired up for little league baseball games. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got fired up for the blue cheese dressing for the wings at Muggsy's. That was. Of course, of course. <laughs> so um, AJ's AJ's continual amusement because Frank, another mutual friend of ours, also lives in the same town as my brother. Good lord! And literally every time I call him, he's got another AJ story, <laughs> and we just we just laugh about Wait, it. Wait, was it? 
I was telling somebody this story, and I couldn't remember which one, about the pool. Was that Frank or AJ who the cops were nearly called from the town meeting? Uh, that one, They were nearly called on Frank. On Frank, okay. But they were both in the town meeting. That's right, that's right. And AJ was there. AJ got up and dismantled his neighbor for even thinking about the idea of putting a pool next door. Wait, AJ did that. AJ did that, but the cops were called. Frank was also trying to get a pool, and the cops were called on Frank <laughs> because Frank threatened some of the elderly board members good. on the town council. That's good. And they were fearful. They were fearful of their lives, so the police were called. Yeah. And mind you, Frank told them that he was going to wait outside for them when they got out to clear this up. And, and I'm not making this up. Frank was waiting in his minivan for the guys to come out and then the police show up. Yeah. How, how dangerous is a guy in a minivan? I just, right. I, I want to just throw <laughs> that question out there. He's, he wasn't sitting in a pickup truck. He's in a minivan. He's, yeah, yeah. He's revving the engine. <laughs> That's great. Well, my original point was I ran into Dan Carey like my senior year. I was down to Manhattan and he was walking along and, uh, you know, he said what he you know, I was graduating. He was like, what was your major? And I said, uh, history. And he goes, yeah, I would hire a history major. And he worked in banking. So at the time, they kind of want, like Michael Lewis was a, he, he has a degree in a, like a master's of fine arts or something like that. Like he, he was not a financial person. And he got hired onto, what was it, Solomon Brothers? Was the company? Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I was joking before, obviously, about history and English, but I I was not joking about theater. That's a complete waste of money. Um, the, yeah. Well, if you want to crush somebody's creative spirit, which is I will. I'll stamp it. I'll yeah. stamp it out like a cigarette. Well, my point but, was that at one point they wanted more well-rounded people. They wanted people who were not trained in one thing. They wanted people who were teachable. Then the pendulum swung to, no, you have to have an MBA. Otherwise, we're not going to hire you. So, yeah. yeah, but it's it's always been the case. It, you're, you're, you're going to college or university not so much to, you know, acquire knowledge, but in a sense you are, but it's you're learning how to think, right? You're learning – you're basically learning how to learn. Well, ideally, do it, ideally, but I don't think that's the way it is anymore. But go on with your point. So, but then you raise the question of, do you need, I mean, essentially college and university now exist as a, a, a social chapter in someone's life. Yes. Like you can learn how to learn independently. Now you'd have to have discipline and, I mean, think about it. When we were going to college, the internet didn't exist. You can literally learn I would say pretty much anything if you're disciplined enough at it I mean obviously you're gonna have to do some real life stuff but like you could learn how to fly a plane on the internet I mean obviously you'd have to do some physical flight training and stuff and eventually go to a school but you can get pretty much there you could learn quote-unquote business or finance literally off the internet I mean and and also the um, online courses and stuff. So 
basically my point is the price of college is so egregiously high is it worth it well i i think in one aspect um the social aspect is important like even if you don't live there if you're going to class i agree i agree it is important well and in being in an environment that encourages learning that fosters learning um that can kind of nurture like a talent maybe that you don't know you have or you know you can um find a place to kind of flourish whereas you know if you just go into a trade and there's nothing wrong with that but like i just remember this one uh you know this one mother her her child was going into the pipe fitters union he was pretty much a shoe-in i mean his dad was in the union his uncle i think was a union president and, and i'm sure he's making like six figures now but she said you know i she was college educated i got the impression her husband wasn't and she just said i'd like him to at least take some courses and think about other stuff and maybe he might want to do something else and I don't think he was too down with that, but but you can take courses. You can take, I believe, like there are Ivy League colleges that are putting their car, like popular courses on the internet for free. Oh, like, sure, yeah, you can. It's just that sort of like sitting at home alone in front of your computer. Uh, you know, it's not. And first of all, how many people are actually going to do that on their own? That's how right. No, no obviously, there there's the discipline aspect of it. Yeah. Yes, and there there's also the social aspect. Yeah. But let just let's look at Fordham as an example. When we went to Fordham, we graduated. We were there from what ninety two to ninety six. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So at the time, what was it like? High twenties, maybe like yeah, twenty six, twenty seven thousand a year. Yeah. Now it's. 73. I don't know how they so, justify that. I can't figure it out. We're talking about a tripling yeah. of cost within two dec two decades. Yep. Or two decades two decades in change. Yep. That is pure insanity. And I'm telling you right now, it is not worth it. Yeah. Well I mean, I'm speaking from like Fordham. It's not worth it. Seventy three thousand, no. Uh forty thousand. Maybe I mean Fordham's considered a good thirties, yeah, mid mid thirties, like half it, fifty cents on the dollar. I'd say it's right. right. Well, and also if you're in the New York City area, there are a lot of Fordham people there, and and maybe from a networking point of view, it it helps a lot. You know that might be a an aspect to it as well. That's all social aspect. But I would say like one of the the probably the top reason I'm glad I went to Fordham is because you know I grew up in. Braintree, Massachusetts, very, you know, middle class, upper middle class suburbs. Just being in the Bronx was an education in itself because it's like, you know, then I taught in the Bronx for many years. It's like, wow, a lot of people grow up a lot differently than I did. And that's a very valuable experience to understand that. And, you know, kids that I teach now grow up in a town that's very similar to the one I did. And I'm like, I don't like to lecture them, but when they complain about like their internet connection not being fast enough, I'm like, you know, I did teach in a place where laptops were not an option. Like even getting textbooks was tough, and you know, so that that's yeah. I mean, and and that's that's good. You can also let me play the devil's advocate. You can also gain that perspective through travel, through volunteering. Do you know, like oh yeah, yeah. If you my, were going to do that, my yeah. My point is, is it's 
I'm not saying that college is a worthless endeavor. I'm saying the cost of it yes. in terms of the return of it yes. is now skewed. It's just, it's literally insanity. And now you're not only putting, you know, children in debt, but you're having parents also co-sign that debt. And this is what this is what this article is saying is basically is like you come out of university and you're, you know, 200 grand in the hole. So then your prospects of buying a house, buying a car, you know, all of that stuff, uh, a family. I just read an article in the New York Post that uh, w- the prospects for women <laughs> to marry right now are at all-time lows because guys are not making enough money or they're like Uber drivers. Like, So the foundational things to build a family ha- are like falling apart because it's ex- it's expensive like to buy a home to um to get a car send your kids to school kids are expensive there's no two ways about it and if you're barely getting by by yourself save with another person it's going to be that much more difficult when you actually reproduce that's true i mean that all of that is true although i will say there's a lot of people who um Again, going back to like teaching in the Bronx, there were people who raised, you know, multiple children and raised them well. And I mean, forget college. A lot didn't even graduate from high school. So again, like some some of this may be expectations as well. Like if you expect to move into a four bedroom house in a community that has amazing schools and anything less than that is a failure well, that you're kind of a victim of expectation. Like you've been spoiled. I mean, essentially, because for some, a lot of people, like if they can pay their rent and keep the lights on and have food on the table and, and, you know, put shoes on their kids' feet and they do it on $30,000 a year and they don't have any prospect of ever making more than that. And some exist. Right. Right. No, it's, it's true. It's, It's all perspective. It's all expectation. It's all, you know, what you want what you want out of life. It also, you know, it also depends on what part of the country you're living in, to be frank. It's much more expensive to live in New York City than it is in Bozy, Idaho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think people are uh, moving to those places because of that. I mean, you look at like, we, we did a, a podcast on the commuting situation in San Francisco. I mean, I don't know who can afford to live there anymore. Well, you see, you, know? you see these cities, you see in San Francisco, you see it here on uh, Long Island and in the tri-state areas. People are just leaving in droves because they can't afford the cost of living. It's just really, really expensive. I do wonder when this whole house of cards is going to reach the tipping point. Like when Fordham University, when all of a sudden people are going to be like, are you kidding me? I'm not paying you $73,000 a year. I think right now people are, especially if their kids have been in honors programs, their kid, you know, they they are upper middle class themselves. I mean, the prospect of not sending their kids to college is terrifying. Like they would see that as a colossal failure. So they are going to break the bank to get their kids into the best college they possibly can, because that's what you do for your kids. And I think these schools really play on that fear. Of losing well, I mean, status. I'm in the same. I mean, I'm in the same boat. My oldest son is a freshman, and it's I, even though I feel strongly about this and and how overpriced it is, I'm he's going to college. Like there's right, and 
Well, my MO, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, is I'm going to get them into the best college as possible. And then when it's time to pay, old Johnny's going to have a lot of excuses built up. Yeah. It's all, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, those guys, the, uh, the guys with the cups and the balls, you know, the hustlers. Yeah. yeah. I'm always, always going to have an excuse, <laughs> always kicking the can further down the road. Well, you could just declare personal bankruptcy. <laughs> and then you could oh, get that's loans. one of the that's one of the options. Oh, there was an I was reading about something where uh, wealthy parents, they it was something like they were legally cutting their kids off like just in a yeah, legal that you can sense. you can as a child once you can become 18 you can declare yourself an independent and then they and were then able to get loans aid yeah your aid is based on how much you personally make which for like an 18 year old is nothing right so and then the parents will obviously you know they'll continue to live with them and give them money but it's it's totally you know, subverting the system. And, and that money is... And, and listen, going. that's in my... By the way, FYI, that's in my playbook, The playbook, too. that's right. Exactly. The kids... I got, will... a, whole, I got a whole playbook. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I wonder when it's going to be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. I've heard a lot of kids say they're going to go to a community college for two years and then transfer. And I had a buddy who did that. He went to community college then went to Yale for two years. Great play. Yeah. But again... You're, you know, it's it's very very difficult because it's like ingrained in society. And the you're right, the colleges and universities are banking on that story of like, you go to college, you get a job, you become successful. See, and I wanted to tell this girl, I don't really believe that these schools are that hard to get into. I think they are begging for kids. I I don't believe any of this BS. I mean, I just, I don't know, like, again, when is the breaking point going to come where people well, are like, are you they're begging me? for, sorry to interrupt, but they're begging for kids who will pay full price. Yeah. They're not begging for kids. Because also, too, like, you, you think that these universities are flush with cash, and listen, they're doing well, but what they've done is they've built up administration layers to soak up all that revenue and there is a there's a building boom going on they're building you know stadiums and campuses and it's very very expensive to have sports uh, and all that money is being funneled into it so universities and colleges are looking for people who are going to pay full price well and at the big schools, you know, the, your UNCs and all of that, the, their sports, uh, I mean, we could do many podcasts on college sports. They exist as separate, almost completely separate entities from the, the school as an academic institution. You know, they're just... Yeah, but those, I mean, those programs, the very, very big programs that are actually profitable are very few and far between. Yeah, and I mean, those schools really can't afford to... You know they they have very strong alumni connections. I mean, if they cut their football, yeah, and program. they've got in, they've got endowments. And look, the top twenty five fifty schools again can literally charge whatever they want. There, there's too much demand. There's not only demand nationally within the United States. There's demand internationally. They can. Li- it's like Manhattan real estate. You, right. They can charge whatever right. they want. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, I mean, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, MIT. Um, Right. They can charge whatever they want because that's pretty much I mean, I could see people killing themselves. I could see people 
declaring bankruptcy to get if their kids smart enough to get into one of those schools to get them in because I think your future is pretty well written. But like you said, your Villanovas, your Fordhams, your Trinity Colleges, Boston College. I, I, again, I don't know how they get away with sixty. Yeah, I, I don't. I think they're going to survive, but the price is going to have to come down. Well, as my parents always, you know, when we were talking about college loans and stuff, I mean, they were like, "Cut your tuition." Then you don't. These kids are not having to get loans. No, that doesn't calculate. So for so that just doesn't calculate. I mean, well, I had. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I came out of college, I had twenty five thousand dollars in student loans. Which at the time was very, very high. And I thought was like suffocating. But I, my entire four years, I was on, um, you know, I, had a, I was on scholarship for athletics and I had an academic scholarship. And, but there was still like, I don't know, it was like four or five grand a year that I, that was put on those loans. Right. And, and the loans, like, you know, it was a 10 year loan. I think it was like, 320 bucks a month or something like that to me was debilitating now kids are graduating with six-figure loans well and you would say like you know when you were saying like wages have stagnated like you know 320 dollars a month when you're 22 years old that's a big chunk i mean that's a lot of money when you're 20 yeah if you're making 25 grand a year exactly but now like i mean you know if you're making Maybe out of college now you're making thirty grand a year, forty grand a year, and you're two hundred thousand dollars in debt. I mean, Jesus Christ! And that I mean, you're lucky if you're getting a job. Well, the economy is doing well right now. Maybe it's not doing as well as they project. Maybe you know the the job gains are in jobs that don't pay a whole lot. But uh, you know things are are moving pretty well now. And again, getting back to this original article, when it hits the fan, as it inevitably always does. And you just have to be able to ride it out. But if, if you don't have the assets to ride it out and you're in debt, that's that's very rough. I mean, that's, oh, shit. you know. No, yeah, no. That's, I think that's when, you know, the house of cards fall. I mean, th- this, our entire economy is built on consumption. And, and it's essentially a service sector. And once that, you know... Uh, once people can't pay for that, which we're pretty much close to, you're going to kick a leg out from under the table and things are going to fall down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know around me, they are building and building and building like an addiction. And it's like 2008 never happened. There is never going to be another slowdown. <laughs> There's never... oh, that's always, but that's always reminiscent of the top of the of the cycle. When people think that, a recession is impossible, will not happen, then you're, you're near the top and you're near the, the point where shit starts to hit the fan. They built, it's maybe a, a seven-minute walk from me in Quincy, Massachusetts, which is, you know, it's fine. I mean, it's, uh, it's a city of about 100,000. You've got your lower rungs, and then you've got your very nice sections but they built these condos, which are fairly nondescript. The only amenity they advertise is parking. That's it. Uh, in, a, in a very kind of bland area. The lowest price condominium is $550,000. And the high well, listen, end is six twenty five. dollars um, uh, 
I, uh, me personally, I can barely pay my mortgage. I'm on my third <laughs> home equity line, right. <laughs> and I have I have guys coming in today that are going to build me a four level deck, right? <laughs> and and put an extension on the house and a pool, I, obviously I'm, the pool uh, and, and a pool, yeah, and a pool inside that goes inside and outside, yeah. I'm going all in. And you're, I'm pushing all the chips in. You're leasing a Jaguar right now, I believe. Oh, so right? I've got. Uh, I'm leasing a Porsche. Porsche right. I'm going to get a Tesla. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm mad. I've earned it. You've earned it. That, I mean, you have. I've earned it. But, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, you'd wonder if my neighbor. I'm looking at his house right now. Uh, he he passed away, Bob, but uh, his wife still lives there. He was going to go to college, and then. Or, or I guess his parents said, I remember him telling me the story. He was a carpenter. He's a contractor. And he owned a, a woodworking place near us. And he said, you know, I didn't want to go to college. So his parents gave him the money that they would have spent on college and said, he was very skilled. He always was. And he's like, why am I going to go to college and learn accounting or English? Like he's a builder. So what he, he's fantastic. He built their house. So I would wonder, like, if you would say, Okay, college might cost me. Let's lowball it at you know one hundred and fifty thousand. Say like, why don't I work for five years, you know, build up equity, things like that, and then take out a loan for like seventy five thousand and start something like start a, a web store or you know during that five yeah, years. No, no def- yeah, absolutely. Instead, we're all just a bunch of lemmings following each other, just walking off the cliff of debt. Well, I think, you know, you see people like Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, or Bill Gates, they both dropped out of Harvard, said, why am I staying here? You know, I mean. Yeah, but those, I mean, those guys are anomalies. Yes, I mean, yes, it's not, you know, it's, look, it's very, very difficult to uh, build a business and build a successful one. Like, it's really, really hard. Like, I, I, I can't underestimate the amount of effort and pain involved in truly building a sustainable company and business. Right. And now there and are going, rewards there. Going to college can help with that. And again, in terms yeah. of, net, well, I mean, in terms of networking, in terms of people, you know, like you went the, to college. The, the problem them. is people think that, and they also think that, you know, they see like on social media, Instagram, that things happen overnight. What they don't realize is most, the majority of successful businesses, the timeline is a decade. Oh, or, no, and yeah, sure, or sure. 10 to 20 years. It, it doesn't, I mean, there are anomalies. There's like guys who started Instagram, Snapchat. Um, but for the majority, it's, it's a very, very long road. And if you do have, if out of the gates, you know, you're young and you have a really successful company quickly and you make a lot of money, you're probably going to just ratchet up your lifestyle, spend all of that, fast forward six years and you're back to square one. Well, more what I meant was like, you go to college with certain people, like we still know each other. Like I still know, obviously, people from Barely. Right. But, you know, you go to college with people, you know them, maybe, you know, you graduate, you work for five, six years. And you know these people, you've kept in touch with them, and you're like, why don't we start up a business? You know, like, that's the networking I'm talking about. Whereas if you just, like, graduate from college, I mean, from a high school, 
and you hang around with people who just graduated from high school. Yeah, no, it's no, it's there's value yeah. in it. There is value. I mean, I, if I you have the, that. I mean, I had no vision at eighteen. I, my vision is still very. You limited. still have no vision. No, still have no vision. I mean, if somebody handed me, if my parents said, "Look." Here's the eighty thousand dollars we were going to spend. You're going straight to Vegas, exactly. Like I'm not starting a business. Like let's just be very clear about that. Now, some people would, I wouldn't, because I'm very lazy and undisciplined, and I don't understand money. So, but for a normal person of normal intelligence and drive, they might do something like that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm sitting here talking into my laptop at the age of 45, trying to make money off of this, which shows you the limited scope of my vision. So, take that. Or take take Maddie K's advice. And, and and listen, that I just feel the air of Matt's soul just slowly leaking out. Yeah. That was a very depressing statement. We should all just let that. Yeah. Live for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody. I'm, sh- I'm sure Maddie's going to shed a tear after the podcast <laughs> about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually going to jump on Amazon and buy a bunch of stuff. To... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that always helps. That always stuff helps that you sort. I, lo- I like, I always love seeing something on TV and then trying to search it out on the internet right and away. then getting it and then opening the package. Yeah. Do you know? I never knew this. Okay, so we were reading this book called Feed, which is about, uh, came out in 2002 by M.T. Anderson. Uh, they had to read it over the summer. And it's it's like a futuristic dystopian book, which is generally not my cup of tea, but it was pretty good. These kids are jacked into the feed continuously. It's the internet, and they're always fed information and that. And um, so I... It's about consumerism, advertising, like everything's geared around advertising. All the corporations own the schools and they just teach kids how to basically use the internet to buy things. So I found this video, a little six minute video on consumerism to talk about. There are videos that people watch of other people opening boxes of things they bought. Oh man, the, the, one of the highest earners on YouTube is a kid, I think he's like eight years old or nine years old, and that's what he does. He opens up like toys and then like plays with them and gives his opinion about it. The kid earns tens of millions of dollars a year. I, I There are these people like teenagers and they're just shopping online and they're just like, you know, I, I don't know. So I, I pause the video and I turn, I'm like, is this true? Does this exist? And this one kid goes, you can watch videos of people eating seafood. People eating seafood. Oh, in uh, in Japan and Korea, it's huge. Of watching people, like, gorge themselves. Again, these people make millions of dollars and they just eat, like, especially, like, tiny Japanese, I'm sorry, tiny Asian women. Eating a, it's a, uh, was it a fetish? Is that the term? Is that like what a, it is? Um, I, th- I think so. Look, I could be talking out of my ass, but I know that especially in uh, Korea, Japan, I think also China, uh, there are celebrities of like very petite, tiny Asian women eating like an egregious amount of food. 
and it goes like there are clips search for it after you get off there are clips that are like an hour just the eating and talking and they get tens of millions of views and they make millions of dollars a year these are certain things i just don't want to see like honestly i joke about not being aware of certain trends i had no idea that and i'm not talking about like electronics like somebody showing you how to use something these are people opening up like shoes just a pair of yeah, shoes they bought it's 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 insane it's it's just so ridiculous and anyway, these kids we were gotta... looking at me like what's the like where have you been <laughs> anyway yeah. we'll uh we'll wrap this up everybody since we're cracking on to 50 minutes well everybody already pretty much tuned out after five so <laughs> well, uh... yeah the only the only people that are still listening to this is matt and myself well the other people fell asleep and they just haven't turned off their phone <laughs> so that's what happened right. all right everybody thanks a lot for listening uh please get on to teespring check out our merchandise check us out on patreon i'll send you a slow clap video i'll send you a personal affirmation video i'll send you a video of anything you want how about that oh like that that sounds that sounds dangerous (laughs) yeah everyone we're um we're working on a new site it's going to be a little bit streamlined on there you also there'll also be a merch store uh you can go to teespring right now and, and purchase the stuff what else are we working yeah, on? We, oh, we the Masterclass working, Series. We are not working on a site. We're, we're getting somebody to do it. Let's just oh, of, of course. Why, I have why no would idea lift how a that finger? works. So, uh, but we will have a site up very, very soon. I am, I'm going to go sit in front of my typewriter in a few minutes and bang out another chapter of Hard in the Paint. Because that's really, that's really coming yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's coming along. <laughs> well, I got we... stalled out because I need to get typewriter ribbons for the typewriter. <laughs> They're not that hard. They're not that easy to find anymore. So, And we also have the Masterclass series coming on Instagram yes. at The Working Experience yes. and Facebook yes. at The Working Experience and also on YouTube the working experience. It's amazing. So check those out. Uh, and you can always email us at work at the working experience.com with your feedback, rate and review us on iTunes. We always appreciate that and subscribe and share. Okay. Thank you everyone. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the working experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, one circle media and the still believe app. The only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.